everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck, and I'm along with my co-worker Jordan Yonke. We are writers for The Athletic, and this is the first of our off-season episodes. We're going to be trying to come to you regularly in the off-season and make sure to keep you guys company. Uh, I know a lot of the other NASCAR podcasts are going on a hiatus. Not as much to talk about. Understandable, but we feel like we can uh, come up with some content today and uh, through this offseason to keep things going. So we'll try to do that. And uh, the, the topic for today's episode, our first one since uh, last week's episode with Steve O'Donnell, which was really exciting to have him on after the uh, championship race. We're going to do the five best races of the season. Now, um, Jordan and I each made our picks. We have not discussed our picks with each other, not the races or the order of them or anything like that. And we also picked our worst race of the season, our single worst race. And so we'll talk about that as well. But first of all, let's welcome in Jordan Bianchi. Jordan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I It, it kind of dawned on me this morning. We don't have a race this weekend, which is, feels very weird. Uh, I can't believe the season is over. I know it's really, it really is odd because I believe we did an episode, um, at least once a week, every single week, all season, including, um, all of the, uh, pro racing, pro iRacing invitational series or whatever it was called during that whole hiatus. Uh, we, we kept up the episode go by the way. I know that was like another lifetime ago. And, uh, and then we also (laughs) did, um, bonus episodes for our subscribers, the athletic subscribers when they have the midweek races. Um, so sometimes Mm -hmm. we were doing two a week. Uh, we did some episodes when there was, you know, breaking news, things like that. So it's been a busy podcasting season and it's weird to just have this week go by and it's like, wow, the season's over a week ago today. We're recording this on Sunday, the week after the Phoenix race. And Man, it's like it's it's crazy how it, it's just in the books. There's such an adrenaline rush, um, but we, you know it's it's a good time to reflect and look back on things. So, uh, are you ready to go through our uh, our worst race and our five best races? I, I am, and actually going through the list of races this year, I realized there was a lot of good races this year. I, I thought overall it was a very competitive season with a lot more. A lot better race, a lot more better races. That sounds terrible. <laughs> there was a lot of races that were really good. I thought than a lot of cl- lot more clunkers. So I, I thought overall it was a pretty good season. And it just kind of dawned on me going through the list of putting together my list. Yeah, uh, I don't have the the stat in front of me, but there's the the guy on Twitter. I think his name is Ron H two five six or two four six or something like that. I can't get the numbers right, but. He always makes charts of my was it a good race poll uh, thing, and um, he had compared this season to previous seasons, and I think this one was uh, the highest in recent years this season overall. Um, you know, some categories were down, some categories were up, but uh, you know, depending on the type of track. But overall, it seemed like this was generally uh, a well received season, as you said, no real clunkers. But let's talk about what we thought was our biggest clunker. And uh, do you want to go first for your the pick for your worst race, and then we'll get then we'll get into the sure. best. We'll end it on a positive note, but we'll start out with our single worst race of the year. Yeah, and I think to me this was kind of a I chose this race because of a sliding scale, um, and I chose the first Martinsville race. Now, the, if I think of a wow. race, honestly, oh, just was that good or bad? I'm I'm shocked. Uh, the first Martinsville race. Okay, well, no, I'm, I'm well, listening. Here's the, here's the why though. Well, here's why and. 
it was there was so much hype for that race. Remember, it was a Wednesday night race. We all like, hey, wow, short track racing, midweek short track race. This is going to be great. We were all excited. This is this is kind of what we've asked for for a long time. This is going to be chaotic and nuts, and people at home are going to be watching this. And it just it probably was overhyped, and it wasn't that competitive of a race. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. and Joey Logano absolutely dominated. They led a combined 366 laps. Truex won by 4.7 seconds. It just didn't really have any drama. It didn't have any of those wow moments. It just didn't have what we were kind of hoping that the first short track race on a weeknight was going to deliver. And that is why I picked this race over Kentucky because it's kind of a sliding scale for me. It's like we know Kentucky is, let's be honest, isn't going to deliver great racing. It had a great finish. Cole Custer winning you know, on that restart was amazing, but that race wasn't very good and just but it's Kentucky. We know what we're going to expect. And for me, I, I I always expect great racing at Martinsville, or at least something memorable is going to happen, and that just didn't happen this year. So with U-Factor and everything associated with it and surrounding that race, uh, that to me is why it was the dud of the year. Okay, that makes sense. And, um, you know, Martin Truex Jr., looking at the stats here, he did lead the last um, 131 laps of that race, the last uh, 97 laps of that race went green. Uh, there was no, you know, not not too many cautions, no real big accidents. Uh, they threw one caution for Timmy Hill being stalled on the track, for instance. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't the typical Martinsville, certainly. And uh, it wasn't as good as the Martinsville we saw later in the year. And like you said, there was a lot of hype for that. So I could see why you'd say that. But I think there was plenty worse races that were not hyped and also were let down. So uh, for me... Um, it, the, the lowest race this year in the Was It A Good Race poll was Atlanta. 36.8% of people said it was a good race. Um, and to me, that I agreed with that. I looked at that race, and I was like, is that really the worst race? I went back, looked at what I wrote um, from the top five, things like that that week. It, it really was a bad race. Um, first of all, another Atlanta race with no multi-car crashes. There hadn't been a multi-car crash at Atlanta now since 2016. That's 1,500 miles of Atlanta racing without any accidents other than spins. That's not good, uh, especially when those races are long to begin with. The only two cautions in that race um, in terms of like real cautions, not competition cautions or whatever, uh, the front row cars spun off turn four separately. Um, stage three, the last 108 laps of that race went entirely green, and Kevin Harvick led every lap in that final stage except uh during the green flag pit cycle so 105 of the last 108 laps and it really what what was crazy about that race is everybody's screaming for atlanta you know don't repave it don't repave it and it turns out (laughs) you know for atlanta this package might be better if they did repave it because this package the current package works better when they can hold it wide open and stay together when they get strung out and they also don't have the horsepower to pass each other that's like the worst combination um, Kyle Busch said, I think after that race that he didn't have one lap the entire time that was wide open. And for this package, that's, that's the, that's what makes it bad. So it just, it was a terrible race. Honestly, uh, I didn't think it was good at all. And I agreed with those who said that, uh, it was the worst race and the, was it a good race poll? No, he, I, that's a, you make great points. And I agree with you. It was, it was for me, it was a unforgettable Atlanta race, but it's in a string of unforgettable Atlanta races that t- you typically see Kevin Harvick dominate. So yeah, no, I, I agree with everything you said there. All right. Well, let's get into our five best races of the season now. And again, Jordan and I have not consulted on what we thought were the five 
or the order, of course, of those five. So um, I'll just go ahead and go first here. My fifth best race of the 2020 season was the second Darlington race. And that's not the... Hey, that's mine too. Really? That's your fifth best? Yeah. The the Wednesday night one? Yeah, Wednesday night. Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch, that whole everything. It was great. Wow, okay, yeah. So that that was... uh, Remember, there was three Darlington races this year. Um, and NASCAR resumed its after the hiatus. It went back to back Darlington races. So it did that Sunday, the first race back. Everybody will remember that for a long time. And then it went into that Wednesday. Now this race was rain delayed uh, by a couple hours, and it also turned out to be rain shortened. But as you mentioned, uh, this was the Denny Hamlin win, and most notable for the Kyle Busch Chase Elliott incident, where Kyle Busch is looking in his mirror trying to cut up in line. Um, and he ends up wrecking Chase Elliott, who does his middle finger salute. Um, that was a pretty memorable uh, moment there, Jordan. It, it was, and it showed really kind of for the first time ever that I remember Chase Elliott really showing some personality and in some gumption, and I, I like that. That was good. It was also the first midweek race, which is also something we had talked about for a long time. You know, NASCAR should race on a Wednesday night, and they finally did. The racing was terrific, too. I mean, it wasn't, you know, Clint Boyer led the most laps at 71, but he kind of faded at the end, and there were so many different guys in the mix, and there was a lot of tire wear, if you remember, so that really impacted things, and it was just a classic Darlington old-school race, and I thought it was terrific, and it was one of those races you look at and you go, that is what a NASCAR race should be at a Darlington race-type racetrack, and it was it was great. I agree with you, and, and they also, you know, at that time, you had a lot of parity. Um, seven different mm-hmm. drivers led at least 10 rap, laps in that race, and it was only a 200 uh, lap, eight lap race. Excuse me, I uh, can't get my words straight here. But um, and and at the same time, so you had different different guys up front, Clint Boyer, people like that, and you also had the most cautions at Darlington since 2015, with 11 cautions, and that was in almost half the distance of the other Darlington races. Because remember, it being rain short, it was only I think 284 miles. Mm-hmm. So that really, I mean, there was a lot of action, a lot of different leaders in a short amount of time. You had the race ultimately ending. Uh, they could never get it back going again once the rain came after the Kyle Busch Chase Elliott thing, but that was a heck of a way to end things. The drama, uh, Denny Hamlin's stupid smiley face mask, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And don't forget, too, remember um, Alan Gustafson and Kyle Busch had the, the yeah, Gustafson kind of stared down Kyle Busch on pit road, and then they had that the talking on uh, afterwards. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So there was a lot of like, Oh man, you know this, and this, that being the first midweek race too, was just like, I thought, Oh, all these are going to deliver like this. Uh, you know, unfortunately it, it didn't turn out that way, but, um, that was a definitely exciting one. So let's go on to number four. Jordan, you want to go first for your number four? Sure. I had the first Talladega race, uh, in the spring. And I think part of this is obviously what happened on the racetrack. Uh, it was a tremendous race. Ryan Blaney narrowly beat Ricky Stenhouse Jr. across the finish line. Eric Almarolo went side, you know, backwards across the finish line to finish third. It was a typical wild and crazy Talladega race. And the fact that there's a lot of different guys in the mix and, and, you know, Bubba Wallace was almost pulled an upset win. And then obviously everything that happened before the race and the show of unity and you know, the drivers and the industry really pushing the number 43 car to the front of the grid and standing up for what they, at the time, everyone believed was a, was a racist act directed towards Bubba Wallace. Uh, to me, that is on the track, off the track. That was uh, something that you're never going to forget. And when you look at what happened on the racetrack in terms of competitiveness and everything, it, w- it was a tremendous Talladega race. So that clocks in number four on my list. Well, I'll uh, I'll chime in on where I have this 
race as well. Uh, I have this as actually as my number two race. And um, I think you hit on a lot of the points here. But first of all, you know, to set the scene, we all have to remember that this was the first super speedway race since Ryan Newman's accident. And there was a lot of nervousness because they had um, all slightly adjusted the rules since that Daytona 500 race. And there was supposed to be practice that weekend. Remember that? They were actually going to practice. That's right. And then they said, you know what? Nah, we'll just forget it. We'll just go right into this new package, essentially, or a tweak to the package without any practice. And everybody's like, oh, how's this going to work out? Um, So you had that going. And then, like you said, you had the, the highly emotional weekend. You know, NASCAR was coming off the flag ban. Um, they had the the banner fly over. You know, I don't know if it was the one that's a defund in front of the track. What's that? The protest. The protest in front of the track. Yep, the too. protest in front of the track. People driving by with Confederate flags, and then of course the noose, which obviously turned out to be a misunderstanding and an embarrassment in the way that it happened for NASCAR. But um, at the same time, the message there was so emotional because nobody realized at the time that it, that it was a misunderstanding. And so you had, like you said, all of the drivers pushing Bubba Wallace to the front of the field, that image, that uh, community rallying together, the eyes of the world were on NASCAR. And then they put together an amazing race, 57 lead changes, which was um, at the time that ended up getting passed in the fall. But um, the most since the 2011 Talladega race where uh, you had the two car tandems, um, there was no big one at that Talladega race, but it was teased the entire time. I mean, uh, the drivers were, were, uh, there was, uh, not one time in that Talladega race where the cars got single filed out up against the wall. Um, not one time. So that was amazing. I mean, they were just racing the whole time, blocking, getting runs, but not knocking each each other out of the way. That was great. Um, it looked like Jimmy Johnson is going to have a chance to win that race. He gets a run. He goes up to second place late in the race. Harvick turns him. Um, Harvick was sort of in the, tried to go to the middle and he, and he turns Jimmy Johnson as it looked like that could have been Jimmy Johnson's, uh, final chance at a win. Um, ultimately it goes to overtime and it's a crazy last lap where Blaney comes up through the field, um, gets a run, barely beats Stenhouse the line. As you said, uh, knocks, uh, Jones into the wall. Almirola, you mentioned also finishes third place going backwards, ends up being Blaney's only victory of the season. But just that that race, everything that went into it, it was just uh, really incredible. That's why I put it number two. So um, I guess we're kind of jumping around here. So I'll, I'll just go to my number four now. I assume you might have this elsewhere on your list, and you can let us know. Um, number four for me was the Daytona regular season finale. Is that on your list as well? Oh, it is, that, and that's number two on my list. Okay, so we have number four, number two, just flip-flopped. I see. Um, so Daytona – I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, why, what, what, what made it stand out to you? Why is that on your list? So for me, you know, I was resistant to having that move off July 4th weekend in the first place. Um, but once you saw it as the regular season finale there, that really was uh, a great place to put it. I mean, that, that race was super dramatic. Um, as we've already talked about, the, the Super Speedway rules package right now is working phenomenally on these on these plate tracks or non-plate tracks now um but it's just this is like with this car and this package um we'll have to enjoy the four races we'll get next year because it's just uh it's just the sweet spot i can't remember a better overall super speedway package um anyway you had so much drama in this race jimmy johnson trying to make the playoffs to benedetto then you had all these different guys up there 
late in the race throughout different points. Oh, could they win their way in? Ultimately, um, William Byron ends up winning his way in uh, with his first career victory. Um, 35 lead changes in this race, Jordan. That was um, That's more than seven of the last nine Daytona 500s, but this was only a 400-mile race. And, uh, I mean, you had, uh, with, with two laps to go, you had a big one. Um, Bubba and Kenseth had been up there uh, looking like they could potentially steal a win there and make the playoffs. Overtime, you had uh, Byron versus Christopher Bell, and then ultimately Byron holds off Truex to win. So I thought it was a pretty good race, but obviously you thought it was even better than I did. I, I thought it was phenomenal. I remember watching, I was being up in the press box and watching stage two unfold and the drama associated with it and just thinking at any second, it just felt like you were just waiting for something to erupt, the, the big one to erupt and the hard racing that was going on. And there was no cautions. I mean, there was, in that stage, there was no cautions. And you had that big group of Chevy cars tracking down the Ford and Toyota pack that were leading and them just chipping away at this lead and being able to watch that in person was incredible. And then when they caught the pack and then Johnson is leading it and he's slicing through them, it was phenomenal. And you mentioned the drama with the playoffs, Jimmy Johnson, William Byron, Matt D all vying, you know, for there's two playoff spots and they only three, only there's two playoff spots for three driver, three drivers competing for two playoff spots. And then, like you said, there was guys like uh, Bubba Wallace in the mix and he almost pulled off an upset win. Tyler Reddick was in the mix and then he ended up causing a wreck and just the drama associated with that William Byron getting his first win um, and punching his ticket to the playoffs. And that ended up being Chad Knauss' final win as a crew chief. And Chad Knauss finally getting that win um, with a driver other than Jimmy Johnson, which kind of you know meant a lot to him. So just everything with that race. Like you, I'm a traditionalist. I, I always like that race as the you know the 4th of July. That's just how it's been for you know from NASCAR's Daytona 4th of July. But moving it to the regular season finale was inspired. It's everything you want in a regular season finale. You've got guys fighting for the playoff lives. You've got guys trying to scratch and claw and to pull off an upset win. And it's just that is exactly what you want. And I think the viewers at home and race fans uh, in attendance saw a tremendous, tremendous race. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And a great point about the Canals thing as well. I mean, if that doesn't happen, um, you know, Knaus never ends his career with a win with a driver other than Jimmy Johnson. And ultimately Jimmy Johnson never got a win with a, well, I guess he did actually with uh, Darian Grubb, right? When Knaus was suspended for Daytona. Yeah. yeah. So yep. uh, I take that back. But uh, anyway, um, so, so far we know that Jordan and I have three of the same races. There's two left. We've found out um, that the Darlington number two race, it was both of our fifth best races. Now, Looking at the Was It A Good Race poll, that was the fans' third best race of the year. So that got 93.8% for the third best race of the year. May have been boosted a little bit by the euphoria of coming back at the time. Um, the Daytona regular season finale that I had number four and Jordan had number two, that was actually the fourth best race of the year with a 90% voted at, on by the uh, the Twitter followers. And then the other race we mentioned um, the first Talladega race that Jordan had number four and I had number two. Um, that is the second best race of the year as voted on by the readers. So, um, let's see what Jordan's third best race of the season is. Jordan, what do you, what do you say? The first Bristol race, uh, in late May, which was a classic short track race. 
everything you want to see at Bristol. A lot of passing, a lot of bumping and banging, hurt feelings. Joey Logano and Chase Elliott had a run in. They had a little chit chat on pit road afterwards. Uh, Denny Hamlin was in the mix at the end, and he got involved. He got in the wall, and then Brad Keselowski, you know, kind of steals that win, so to speak. And it was just a classic short track Bristol race. I, I walked away from that going, I think we all did going. We need more of this. This is great. We this is something we want to see every week. So to me, that was that was number three on my list, and I think it's deserved. Wow. Well. I have this one, Jordan, number one on my list, the Bristol Spring Race. Oh, you have that number one? Number one, the best no race way. of the I, season. No, I, I thought, oh, see, I I don't know how, I mean, we're going to jump ahead here, but I don't know no, how don't, you don't, don't, don't tell me what yours is. Don't tell me what yours is yet. I don't want to hear. Well, I, I think questions. Why do bit. you have this number one? Okay, so first of all, this was one of those races where I remember thinking, okay, like late in the race, I'm thinking regardless of the finish, this has been a great race all day. Um, no matter what happens, right? Like if there's a great finish in this race, it'll cap it off. But this is really good because in this race, this is one of those races where they perfected the PJ one on the lower groove. And then the high line had momentum, but the lower groove, you could get in there enough. And so it created a lot of side-by-side racing for the lead where, you know, maybe they were, they couldn't necessarily pass, but, um, it was, it was just really, it was really competitive and it was also the first real short track race since they had gone back to this package. And it was just a, like, wow, this is just remember how good this, this, uh, the short track rules package was with the 750 and all that stuff. Um, in the, the lower, uh, spoiler, uh, it was really great. So like you said, Denny Hamlin, uh, you know, he's leading with 11 to go. He's coming up on lap traffic, suddenly gets too high. He makes a mistake. There was several mistakes throughout this race. Where the drivers... Ryan Blaney spun out on his own and crashed at running second. Yep. And Jimmy Johnson said afterwards, hey, you know, maybe we've made it look too easy because we're on edge the entire time. And that makes it for good racing. Um, So he gets too high. Logano tries to pass him. Gets loose himself. Gets into the wall. Um, Suddenly, Elliott's the leader and in control. Caution comes out for Hamlin, right? So then, Logano takes the lead on the restart. Elliott, like gets mad right away or whatever, like bumps Logano, tries to do a bump and run up high, which doesn't really make sense. Then the the very next corner, he just completely missed it and took both of them out. Keselowski comes up and steals it instead, as you mentioned. Then you have that confrontation after the race where Logano's out of his car. There's, it's a silent, you know, there's no fans there. The (laughs) the place would have been going completely nuts. Uh, You know, so Logano's staring at Elliot. Elliot won't even look at him. Um, ultimately you had, uh, 17 cautions as well, which is the most for a Bristol race since 2006. Crazy. Um, so it was a lot going on in that race. Um, a lot of just, just being on the edge, uh, real, ha- really having to drive it highly entertaining. Um, ultimately as well, it gets, um, 94.9% on the, was a good race poll. Number one race of all time in the poll. Uh, going back to oh, the wow. beginning of the 2016 season. And I agree with that. I mean, to me, it was just, I was totally thrilled by it. And I remember just like, man, this is, this is NASCAR racing right here. Um, so, but it sounds like you are putting the second Martinsville uh, yeah. number one. So yeah, I don't know we'll, how we'll, you don't have that number one, but we can talk about it, but well, we're oh, skipping, we're okay. skipping number three. So we'll, why don't we, why don't we debate why don't we, why don't you tell us, um, wait, you said that was your number three, right? 
That was my number three. Okay. So let's go to number two. So, and number two on my list was the Daytona regular season finale, which we discussed. So what is where are you at now in your list? So my number three is the is the second Martinsville race. So we flip flopped, I guess, okay. number one and number three, number four and number two. So give me your argument for why Martinsville should be my Martinsville second race should be the best race of the year. That was everything, everything you want in a semifinal round finale to set up the championship. You had great racing, hard racing. You had drama. You had wild twists and turns with Kevin Harvick struggling and falling two laps down because he had to cut tire and then trying to claw back and get back on the lead lap and finally does late. And then him trying to move up and get enough points to to move on and advance. And we all thought Harvick was a lock to advance. And all of a sudden he's not a lock and he's out of the playoffs. And then obviously he and... You know Kyle Busch racing hard in the last lap, and Harvick turning Kyle Busch, um, Denny Hamlin teetering, and you know he goes in there, looks like he's in good shape, has a strong run, then he has a, an issue on pit road, and then he looks like he's not going to make it. So we've got Denny Hamlin and Bre- and uh, Kevin Harvick, the top two seeds who we all thought were going to make it to the championship four. They may not make. They didn't look like they were going to make either one of them was going to make it. At, um, Brad Keselowski's rally from you know, a speeding penalty to get into the championship four. And then really, Chase Elliott, which is in a breakthrough moment, coming through his first really clutch performance, has to win to get in, does that, overcomes uh, the mistake on pit road where the jackman jumped over the wall prematurely, and then that, the, the smartness of the jackman to get back, reestablish himself. Um, everything with that race is what you wanted to see. We had such high expectations when Martinsville was put as the last race, as the cutoff race for the championship. And not only did it did it meet those expectations, it far exceeded them. I don't know if you're a NASCAR fan and you watched Martinsville, how you couldn't be happy and think, this is everything I want in my NASCAR. Well, Jordan, listen, you're absolutely right in that modern-day NASCAR has to be viewed through the prism of a playoff situation. So you can't just look at a race now and if it's a playoff race and not apply the playoff drama to it because that is part of the race um so absolutely when you have all that drama is this why i say it's the third best race of the year i mean all the harvick hamlin keselowski cutoff stuff that is thrilling and 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 you know obviously i know the eric jones part of it left a bad taste in some mouths uh, of some fans but to me you're not going to go past your playoff teammate who's trying to make the final four um Harvick's own teammates, by the way, Almirola and Boyer could have fallen back uh, maybe in the final laps without anybody really, you know, noticing if it wasn't too blatant and, and he could have gotten a point there if if that was a situation where you want to bring teammates into it. I think people were mad because it was Toyota and Hamlin and Harvick knocked out. And of course, Harvick with nine wins, we thought he deserved to make it, but he didn't, he did, ultimately didn't. So I understand that part of it. Um, but I mean, it was a good race overall in that there was there was 20 different lead changes, which is the most at Martinsville since uh, the Jeff Gordon victory in 2015. So that it was a good race, but you also had somebody win by six and a half seconds on a short track, and the last 51 laps of the race went green. So again, I do agree that you have to apply the playoff situation to judging the race, but let's say you do take off take away the playoff drama in the race itself again a guy winning by six and a half seconds in the final 51 laps going green is that a good martinsville race i would say if that's if this race was the spring race where you talked about it was the worst race 
I mean, I'm not, I, I think it was better for sure, but I don't know if it's, if it's just quite the number one race of the year to me, Bristol, where you had a good race throughout plus the incredible drama at the finish, uh, like for the win that supersedes it. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I don't think we're that far off, but I just no, think we see it slightly I, differently. I, yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I think they were both tremendous races and I think you can argue any of my top three on my list. Honestly, I could have flip flopped them in any order and been very happy. I just, as I said at the open of the episode, I, I thought the racing was really tremendous this year. And there was quite a few races that I honestly feel like I probably should have been in my top five that weren't. So uh, I can see all of this. Uh, I have no complaints with any order that you put it in, but to me, just everything that went into Martinsville and everything associated with it and what it meant. Uh, I just can't move past that. So Martinsville, um, in terms of the fan reaction, uh, ultimately that only got voted the sixth best race. And I think that that was a lot of, um, bitterness from the Harvick development yeah. and all that stuff. Um, cause we both Which is on this podcast I, thought it was going to be in the nineties easily. And, uh, it, it wasn't, it got 88.8%. So, um, in fact, um, the first Phoenix race was voted ahead of this Martinsville race, um, which didn't make either of our top five lists. Um, and, and this is why the poll is silly. And this is why I don't care about this poll. <laughs> Even though, uh, four of your top five races are the top four races in the poll. You don't care about the poll. I don't care about the poll because people are like, uh, they get up, they get hung up on things. And you're telling me that the first Phoenix race is going to rate higher than the Martinsville. Well, remember that was a really good race. And that was the first race back race. That was a good race. And it was the first race back with, uh, the seven fifty package. And people, I think were trying to show their support for like, say, Hey, yes, this is really good. We like this, you know? And especially remember they were comparing it as well to the fall Phoenix race the year before, which sucked. So, all right. Give me give me two memorable things that happened in that Phoenix race. I can't remember. I mean, it was it was a lifetime. Take that. That's the anyway. point. It's the whole point. Thank well, you. I didn't put it on my top five. But anyway, well, listen. Uh, one to. thing that wasn't in our top five, uh, either of our top five, and it also wasn't even polled for the fans, was the Daytona 500. I really wrestled with including the Daytona yes. 500 on the poll, on or sorry, on mm-hmm. my top five. Um, ultimately, I decided against it. I'd love to hear your reasons for why you didn't include it, and then I'll share mine. Probably the same reason you didn't, and I have it on my other. I have it in my notes because, like I said, it, it was a great race. I mean, it had everything you want in a race, and unpredictability, and, and you know, Daytona craziness, and everything. And the finish, obviously, um, I think I can say this now because we know Ryan Newman is okay, but it was memorable, unforgettable. Um, but to me it still doesn't feel right in retrospect of just kind of celebrating it. I have a hard time with that because I still, when I think about that race, I never, I'll always remember being on pit road and walking down pit road. And it was just really quiet and seeing the ambulance pull away and going the opposite direction on the racetrack to to take Ryan to the hospital. And I just can't get over that. So I just, I felt really uneasy celebrating it though. Again, great racing and then the fact that Ryan Newman was out of the hospital two days later and is, is back now um, 100% healthy is you know makes it a little bit easier I just still just not 100% comfortable with that yeah it's for me it's the same I mean had that had the injury not occurred at the end of that race I think it's one of the all-time 
you know, classic Daytona 500s and certainly would be in the top five of my list. Maybe not in the top three, but it would be four or five for sure. Um, because it was a good race. Um, and, but like you said, I mean, I remember, so our, our editor, Allison had said, you know, go ahead and go to the hospital to see, you know, we're going to get an update there. And, uh, or we thought we were going to. So I walk from the media center, I'm walking out of the racetrack and, and on my way out, I'm passing all these, you know, crew members with grim faces. Nobody's saying anything. I'd never covered a death in, uh, racing before. And I'm like, this is, this is it. This is really bad. Um, and his Mm -hmm. mangled wreck car came back, uh, past me on the, uh, on the, the rollback of the, uh, tow truck. And, uh, I mean, it just made me sick to my stomach seeing it. Uh, I was just like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I think somebody died in that car and you get to the hospital and, you know, the whole way walking, whatever, two miles it was to the hospital. I was just like, uh, he's, he's dead. I mean, this is terrible. Yeah. And of course we found out shortly thereafter he was alive, but then we, we thought, you know, he's in serious condition, all the stuff in a coma or whatever. And ultimately he comes out of it. And I think everybody sort of, sort of is able to move on with the season and go, Oh my gosh, he's back at Phoenix. How great. But you know, and, and we forget about this because of all the pandemic stuff. We, that wreck, I mean, that could have been way worse. We found out later his helmet was cracked. Um, mm-hmm. Corey LaJoy's car had made some sort of intrusion into the cockpit. Um, so that it, it made contact with his helmet, supposedly. We still haven't really gotten the full investigation details. But, you know, that um, that could have been easily, easily, easily a lot worse and really put um, a shadow over this entire season, whether it's he's can never race again or whether he was killed, whatever NASCAR, everybody, Ryan Newman got extremely lucky. And so for me, I can't really say, Oh yeah, that was an awesome race. Just even though we know now he's fine. I it's, I can't really be like badass. You know what I mean? So I think we're on the same page as hard to why. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So we end up having the five, best races uh, are five same races different worst race we have the same reasons for leaving uh daytona 500 off we have a different top five than uh the fans and just to recap let's just recap one more time before we sign off here um and then we have one more thing to do as well um so in the was it a good race poll the top five races were bristol one talladega one darlington two daytona two and phoenix one and their worst race was Atlanta one. Mine's pretty similar. Mine was um, Bristol one was the best race. Talladega one, uh, Martinsville two, um, Daytona two, and Darlington two. And yours was Martinsville two. Um, then you had Daytona two, Talladega or sorry, um, Bristol one. Mm-hmm. Talladega one and uh, Darlington two. And then you had uh, Martinsville one as your worst. So yeah, I don't know if which that was... Now I think about it, I had Martinsville had the best and worst races in my estimation, which is funny to think about. Wow. Yeah, that is wild. And then uh, on my end, uh, the uh, Atlanta race uh, for my worst pick. Now they have, they have two races next year. And then uh, my number one race of the year, Bristol, isn't even happening next year because that's going to be the dirt race. So anyway, 
So, uh, Jordan, we're not quite done with the was it a good race poll yet. I'm not going to rub in my oh, amazing victory uh, that I won 6-4. to four. Uh, Only missed it by a couple percent. I'm not going to rub that in at all. Not even going to rub that rub in that um, Steve O'Donnell almost uh, beat both of us. He was only off by about 4%. I have a feeling that I guessed, so you guessed 80, I guessed 70, uh, end up being 68. I think Steve O'Donnell didn't want to guess lower than us. You know what I mean? He wasn't going to come on and be like, <laughs> nah, you guys are wrong. It's worse than, worse than that. So he ends up guessing 72. Um, but he, we offered him six points. He could, he could have easily won this. That would have been, that would have been something. But, um, we're going to do one last guess here, Jordan, because, um, on Monday and depending on when people listen to this, I'm going to ask, was it a good season? So this is going to be the fourth season in a row that I've asked, was this a good NASCAR season? Um, let me give you the numbers. Cause I know you're, you probably don't know what they were previously. So 2019, 56 percent yes 2018 69 percent yes 2017 76 percent yes for was it a good season mm. so what do you think people are going to say about 2020 whether it was a good season i'm gonna say 70 percent. i don't really have a rhyme or reason um i thought the racing was really competitive i thought there's you know, we it was unpredictable in some senses. I know Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin dominated, but come the playoffs, we saw a lot of different uh, storylines emerge. We had a first-time champion in Chase Elliott, who is obviously very popular. So give me 70%, and I factor in everything that happened this year with, with COVID and, and the shutdown and NASCAR having to scramble. I think people respect the fact that NASCAR did, you know, had to move heaven and earth to kind of make it, get a season in and they got it in on time. So yeah, I'm going to go with that. I think 70% is very reasonable. I do think this was the best overall season. Um, despite everybody's really being upset about the rules package. I mean, ultimately the second worst race of the season on the, was it a good race poll was that second Kansas race where Logano uh, is blocking for the last, whatever, 30 laps, and Harvick can't pass him despite having a faster car. Um, ultimately, that kept Harvick out of the championship. But um, So people were really, by the end of the season, really, really upset, I think, with the rules package on the intermediate tracks. They had sort of had it, and they'd sort of come to the realization that, look, we're, we, don't, we don't like this for whatever reason. It, it finally hit a lot of people. Um, so I think that when you look at the season overall, that, that feeling, um, I think that will still be relatively recent and people will sort of vote on that despite the popular winner and despite really having some pretty good races overall throughout the season. And as we said earlier, um, you know, overall having a higher average than the recent races. So I think 70 is very reasonable. Um, I might just go like a over under situation there. I don't think it's going to get to 77% and be the best season voted on there um, in the recent years, but I think it could be in the 70s. So um, I'll go ahead and do um, 71%. You can do 70%. Well, I was thinking about doing 70.1%. Uh, but no, I, I mean, I think we could do over under. I'll take the under if you want, if you're really, if you're. No, it's fine. No, you just do whatever you want to do. I don't care. You say you don't care, but as Steve O'Donnell said on the podcast last week, look at him. He cares. 
I think it's, I think that's right. So, uh, <sighs> I'm sorry that you, I'm sorry that this turned out this way for you, Jordan, but you'll have to. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I still love you. Okay. Um, well, listen, uh, everybody, uh, there's nothing I enjoy more than arguing with Jordan Bianchi. I wish that we had been, uh, had the chance to argue more, uh, on this, but we end up having the five same races. So at least we have them in a different order and, uh, <laughs> we'll be back with you next week, uh, for another topic. Don't know what yet, but we'll see what happens. This see if there's any news that goes on in this, uh, off season. We'll we talk about that next gen test uh, this week. Oh, there you go. You can, uh, yeah, tell us your that. impressions of that. We'll have plenty to talk about. There's, there's many things to talk yeah. about from this season that we can go back and digest more than just the best races. So, um, everybody, we appreciate you. We appreciate you listening. Um, thanks for all the feedback we get. We love our, uh, downers or whatever you're called, uh, tear down listeners. So we'll be, we're, we're not leaving again. We'll, we'll be, uh, we'll be chatting with you all, all off season long. So please keep us company as well. And until then, we will talk to you next time on the teardown.